A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode spectacular of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm Joe Cunningham, and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Seth Patrick and Reese Williamson. And um, so James, unfortunately, isn't here with us this weekend, but we are actually all together in person, which is a very rare thing for uh, Cinematic Universe. Is it Reece... the first time we've ever done that? Uh... Oh, apart from like when we did our... Batman v Superman pizza. Yes, it's very chat. rare. We are normally <laughs> Skyping between each other. And uh, yeah, we, the three of us are in the same room because we have been at the Fort Bubble convention in Leeds, uh, my home city of Leeds, this weekend. Uh, we've uh, been kind of making our way around the convention all weekend. We've been speaking to some of our friends, some of our listeners, some of the people we admire the most. And Reese, who's also here. And <laughs> we've got some we've got some fun little bits and pieces from from that that we've recorded, which are going to be interspersed throughout the podcast today. Um, so you can look forward to those. But we also thought we'd use this hundredth episode because this is our hundredth episode between our main episodes, our minis, our bonuses. We've got to a hundred, which is really exciting. And we thought we'd kind of try and take a little bit of a step back. And at this point, I'm going to hand over the hosting reins and kind of become the interviewee uh, because yeah, you guys <laughs> you guys you're, you're the now... expert on what joe thinks of comics yeah so you you are now going to you're not going to grill me on my well on my throughout these first 100 episodes and really closing on on 2 years now my foray into the world of comics so Reese, seb take it away you are now the hosts oh god <laughs> such a power <laughs> uh, um, i think a lot of people don't a lot of listeners Maybe you haven't been listening since the beginning. Actually, will realise that you were not a comics reader really at all before. No, I read Simpsons comics as a kid mm-hmm. and bits of the Beano. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, thought... we talked about comics a little bit more recently than, than that. Yeah, and you dip in and out, but nothing like this education that you've had these last couple. Of years. I'd read like Watchmen and sure. a few other things, and and even like I think I read Superior Spider-Man just before the podcast started. But that yeah. was kind of at the point where my interest in comics was starting to peak, mm. and one of the reasons that I went to Seb and James in the first place and said, "Hey, I've got this idea for a podcast. What do you think, you guys?" And um, then they bashed it into something that would be vaguely listenable. <laughs> Is it? When's, when's that happening? I hope so. <laughs> Maybe We're not still bashing. Joking. We're still yeah. bashing. Um, I mean, yeah, so 
I guess to start with, I mean, how do you? Certainly, I would. I would guess you see yourself now as a comics reader. Kind of. Well, I, yeah, I, I Does do. Does this mean we have to not have you as the host anymore? <laughs> reader? Well, I do now. I, there is a, a comic shop in Leeds, um, OK Comics, that I go to. Like, I, ha- I have subscriptions to certain comics. Mm. I mean, um, actually, yeah, that's, I I mean, that's, pick them up. that's probably a good place to start because I think, obviously, you talk on the podcast about the comics that we get you to read as recommendations, mm. but you've also started reading things that we haven't recommended. So, what's either what well twin question what are you reading regularly that has nothing to do with the podcast and what has been the what's what's stood out the most of a comic that you've gone and read off your own back that's nothing to do with the podcast well i think the first one that i read that you didn't recommend directly on the podcast that was amazing was alias but you kind of had talks around that so yeah. much on the podcast i think we did end up working it into uh, in as a recommendation mm. just to give an excuse to talk about yeah. it really at some i point. did yeah. i definitely did talk about it on the pod mm. um i think well so, so basically my approach was last year um when marvel was doing its secret war stuff and it was rebooting the whole universe that seemed to me a good point to kind of um, jump on and try some Marvel comics. So I bought a whole load of issue ones, and there's a lot that I got no further than an issue with. There's a lot that I maybe got through the first arc and went, okay, that was fine, but it wasn't for me. And there are some that I'm still reading now. Um, so, I mean, probably the best one was Vision, which I've talked about on the podcast before that I've hugely enjoyed. Um, I'm still reading Doctor Strange from that point last year. Um, I really enjoyed um, Mockingbird. Um, and there'll be there'll be a bunch of stuff that I'm forgetting. Um, but then I also use I use that kind of opportunity to pick up something like uh, Paper Girls when I'm in the comic shop, which um, I read um, with my wife. Um, in fact, I read them aloud to her um, as I do with some other comics. And so, like Paper Girls was also a gateway into picking up volumes of Saga and reading saga with her so and, and we had a discussion the other night in which we learned what some of your saga character voices are <laughs> yes yeah, so, so i i read or like so saga is because i like i read alias and then read it again with laura but read it out loud and saga is one that has um lots of characters so it's really fun to be like oh i'm goose i'm the little little <laughs> seal man and uh, i don't know whether he's supposed supposed to talk like this but he does when he's with friendo so it's yeah it's a little bit like that <laughs> I think that's a whole spin-off podcast just I think it is Joe reads Joe, Joe, Joe reads comics aloud I mean it's a lot more difficult when like I'm reading Paper Girls and the four main characters are all like four like 12 year old girls and I my voice especially this weekend after some alcohol has got into my vocal cords um, yes it would... I'm the 12 year old girl yes I'm Erin <laughs> Okay, so uh, before we go any further, we will have some more questions and discussions for you, Joe. But let's bring in uh, one or two of the segments that we went and recorded at Thought Bubble this last weekend. Um, so yeah, we found some some friends of ours and and some people who who we like and some people who who like us and listen to the podcast as well. Um, and we sort of got them to play along with some segments from the podcast. So so dotted throughout, you'll hear some uh, some pitches for comic book movies or TV shows, um, some recommended comics for Joe to listen to, for Joe to go and read, uh, some um, explaining a comic book concept that Joe doesn't understand. Just we've, don't we've, got, we've got a bit of a <laughs> we've got a bit of a doozy there. 
uh, and uh, it just some general talking as well about comic book movies that people love. So uh, we're going to play in the first one or two of those now, depending on what happens in the edit. I don't know if it's going to be one or two, uh, but then later on you'll you'll hear when they pop up you'll hear them. But now you know what they are. So um, let's let's hand off and take a little break now, and then we'll come back and talk to Joe some more about comics. Uh, I'm Al Kennedy, I'm a podcaster, I appear on the podcast House to Astonish, which you can get at HouseToAstonish.com. I've also appeared on this very show before um, as the uh, extra chair on the Scott Pilgrim episode, which was yeah. terrific fun. So if you're a new listener to Cinematic Universe, within the past year probably, you haven't heard Al, but no. you should go back and listen to that episode, because it was a very good one. I enjoyed it a lot, I thought, and it's a good film as well, it gives you a chance and excuse to rewatch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. But also, today we are going to get you to explain a comic book concept yes. that as a movie fan I just don't understand. There Make wasn't a lot of, you didn't really play up the, we have fans who like it when yeah, you go, oh, I, just, I, I expected that you were going to do that for this convention, <laughs> <laughs> do like a face as well, you don't get to see the face listeners. But yeah, so Ali's going to explain a comics concept that as a movie fan, I just don't understand. That was, I modulated that a lot. Um, and Al, I want you to explain to me Transformers comics. Like, why, what, and should I ever read any? Because I don't like Transformers, but I've heard things that pique my interest. Yeah, uh, the Transformers as a sort of media entity obviously come from Toyline to begin with in the 1980s. And there's been a Transformers comic for pretty much almost as long as there's been Transformers toys. The Transformers, most of the, the major ones, were actually named by the writer of Marvel's Transformers comic. Bob Budiamski, who was the original writer of Transformers, sat around and came up with the names of Optimus Prime and Megatron and Jazz and Bumblebee and all these kinds of characters. So do they they predate the animated show? They were all around the same time. 1984 uh, was when the whole kind of shebang debuted at once. It was launched as a four-issue limited series and the first four issues said on them well, in fact, the first three issues said I'm on number one of a four-issue limited series, number two of a new four-issue limited series, and number three of a four-issue limited series. By number four, they'd taken that off, and by number five, it had become ridiculous. The final issue, published in 1991, I think, uh, bore the uh, slogan at the top of the page, uh, number 80 in a four-issue limited series. And the comics themselves ran in the States for, you know, seven years or something like that which is actually a really long time mm. for a licensed toy comic to run for because normally these toys would f- come into favour live out their uh, lives in the, the minds of children and then be replaced by something else um, that just didn't happen with the Transformers it just kept going and going and going in the UK a chap called Simon Furman uh, was kind of drafted in to write additional stories that slotted in between the American ones because the American comic was monthly and the uh, British comic was weekly so they were perennially catching up with the American comic that they were reprinting and what that meant was Furman started started to develop these incredibly intricate um, storylines that wove in and out of Bob Budiansky's American storylines to the extent that when Budiansky left the American comic it was Furman who they actually got in to take over writing the US version and by the end of it, it had become this kind of galactic, spanning, melodramatic, religious war space opera for children. 
and in in that capacity, if you read it, even those uh, old comics from the 90s now, they still hold up and they're still pretty good. And even with zero interest in Transformers as a concept? I wouldn't go back, if you no interest in Transformers as a concept, I wouldn't go back to those Simon Furman comics, but... There have been other Transformers comics over the years. The most recent iteration um, is published by IDW, um, who also do a bunch of other licensed comics. They do things like G.I. Joe and um, the Micronauts and Mask. They've got Ghostbusters. And They've got Ghostbusters, and Future, yeah. My Little Pony, Gem and the Holograms, all sorts yes. of things. And they launched two series about four and a half years ago. Uh, one called More Than Meets the Eye and one called Robots in Disguise. And More Than Meets the Eye is probably, if it's not the very best comic that's currently being published in the States, it's probably in the top two. Um, it is simultaneously very much about the fact that it's the Transformers because a lot of the storylines come out of things like um, the concept that there would be a caste system essentially on Cybertron whereby if you turned into something that was for manual labour. If you turn into a dump truck, then you go off and be a manual labourer. If you turned into a beautiful, huge fighter jet, you might get to be somebody who is a politician or something. If you turned into something useless, then you were pretty much just cast out and had to do crap jobs. Okay. So there's all sorts of um, kind of complex political stuff gets brought into it. Stuff that you would not at all expect to form part of a comic based on licensed toy robots and at the same time you've got lots of storylines which are nothing to do with the fact that they're Transformers that are just to do with normal character relations like there's one of the most touching romances in the whole of comics is in, and it's between two Transformers it's between two, <laughs> two male identifying Transformers yeah. and it is beautiful there is a scene in one issue which I will not spoil <laughs> and but I know the scene you're genuinely I have never been brought to tears by a freaking Transformers comic <laughs> except by this scene it is heartrendingly beautiful and so um, nothing like the Michael Bay movies where you're going to get like no. swinging wrecking ball testicles there's, for the there's no bit where a robot pees on a house there's no bit where a robot stamps on somebody's car and it goes my bad none of that stuff we don't, we don't linger on any human bottoms or anything like that no. no but there are a lot of Red Dwarf references there are lots of Red Dwarf oh, references oh amazing well I'm on board for I that I mean it's a the thing is it's a sci-fi comedy and it's cut from that same oh, it's a sci-fi character driven comedy yeah. that's cut from the same cloth as a Red Dwarf or a Hitchhikers or... Yeah, the, the basic concept of it is that in the aftermath of the Transformers war finishing, which has been now the case in the Transformers comics for the past four years, the Autobots and Decepticons are no longer at war, a group of Transformers goes off into space to try to find a group called the Knights of Cybertron, who were like kind of legendary characters from their past. And it turned up in a Michael Bay movie. And, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I understand that reference. <laughs> The group which goes on this ship is the most dysfunctional group of weirdos. It's basically a lunatics have taken over the asylum kind of story. And every single character in it is in some way emotionally or mentally aberrant. My, my, my favourite character is, and I'm terrible with the names because it is a really difficult comic to keep up with the names of characters. And that's not the fault of the writers or anything, it's a fault of the format. It's Transformers, they're all robots. Um, the one who is the uh, th who was a really big villain Decepticon, and who's kind of a bit slightly fundamentalist religiony 
Uh, purple guy. Megatron? No. no. Oh, Tarn. No, because I haven't got as far as Megatron oh, being okay. in it yet. Uh, although I know he is. Uh, oh, uh, Cyclonus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a great, fascinating character. Because the whole point is, he was a Decepticon and he still believes in that. But equally, he's not... He's, you're not reading it thinking he's secretly a villain. You know that he he is on their side. He's got he's a strong just, moral code, which yeah, is exactly. not in alignment with their strong yeah. moral code. And he's basically a kind of a samurai, yeah. essentially, as well. And I just yeah, I find that and his relationship with uh, Tailgate, again, yes, uh, who is a little um, bomb disposal robot. Um, or so at least it is you're led to believe at the outset um, who is the most adorable little sad sack character yeah. and the two of them develop a relationship which is again if it's not quite a romantic relationship it is certainly a complete it's a, it's, a relationship a of romance. complete devotion <laughs> yeah. oh, excellent so you just kind of this has been not only explaining Transformers to me but kind of a comic book recommendation as well yeah Basically, we Sam James needs to find a way to. Yeah, can shoehorn in yeah. the first volume of Transformers: More Than Meets the Eye. Yeah. More Than Meets the Eye has actually just been cancelled, but is being relaunched in December Ooh. under a new name, which is Transformers: Lost Light. So issue one of Lost Light will be out in December. Okay, and fantastic. It's going to be a good jumping on point for new readers. Well, will, will it not spoil significant amounts of plot? From yeah, definitely. Meets but the Eye. you know, but if you want to start reading this comic, then you have to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Al, thank you very much for coming on and explaining the concept. And, well, really, and I apologise to this, no fans, but you've told me that there's more to Transformers than meets the eye. Good night. <laughs> uh, I'm Harry. I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I do various bits and pieces in and around London. Harry's basically the only person who responded when we said, hey, listeners, if you're at Thought Bubble and you want to meet up and do a little bit on the podcast, uh, then get in touch. Superfan um, Harry, who, who yeah. spotted Seb and was like, hey, it's Seb Patrick of Cinematic <laughs> Universe fame. Yes, I'll, I'm going to be clinging on to that one for a, for a good while. Ego suitably uh, stroked. Yeah. But nothing else, not a crazy superfan. Just, uh, just I mean, super- I hope not. <laughs> Okay, so we're we're now when when the part of our podcast where we would normally talk about comic book movies. Um, so Harry, we thought we'd ask you just to just to tell us a little bit about your favourite comic book movie. All right, uh, my favourite comic book movie is Thor Two: The Dark World. Wow. Okay, that's we might have to sit down. We might be here a little little while while you explain that. No, one, but so I, I, I'll please, be honest. Please, someone someone says reasoning. like Guardians of the Galaxy, Scott Pilgrim. I'm like, okay, I get it. I've I, I've heard the reasons why before. No one has ever said that, so I'm very much intrigued <laughs> to hear what you're going to say about Thor Two. Well, uh, obviously, uh, the Thor movies are the best MCU movies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if by Thor you mean Captain America, then yes, they are. Yes. I mean, yeah, no, I'll, I'll grant you. No, I mean, Captain America, the movies are the better movies, objectively. But the Thor movies are the ones that sort of more most commit to that, yeah. <laughs> to that world. And Thor 2 The Dark World is the, not a good movie, but it is my favourite. Because it's so like commits to being dumb and like has great relationships in it and it's funny you commits know. to being dumb <laughs> I, 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 I like that argument um, and uh, how do you defend the tube scene because as a Londoner yourself that, that must be that must be troubling presents. to you now uh, alright so he gets on the Jubilee line yes and she says what three stops she says three stops to Greenwich where is Charing he? Cross yeah <laughs> you can't I've tried you can't make it work it'd be North Greenwich and even from North Greenwich station it's a bit of a North, walk North Greenwich is not Greenwich. Greenwich the Jubilee, the Jubilee line doesn't go to the bit of Greenwich that they're then in 
you need the DLR or you need to walk <laughs> from Canary Wharf so through the, the tunnel. So theoretically, he could get off the tube and get on the water taxi, which so I So you're think saying he goes from Charing Cross <laughs> to Embankment or down to Waterloo, maybe? Yeah, and so then, he goes to then Waterloo. Gets on the Thames Clipper. Thames Clipper. Yeah. Which I think is... All right, it's more than two stops, <laughs> but it's not that much more. Here would be my advice for him. <laughs> Take it just the one stop that you need because you're stuck on a tube. Get yeah. off and then Munir the rest of the way. That would. But he doesn't. He doesn't have the hammer. Oh, he doesn't point. have Munir. That's, that's the point. That's yeah. the oh, sorry. Point. Sorry. Even when he gets off of those stops, he is going to have to he do all that mess around afterwards. It, you know. I mean, the one thing we can say about Chris Hemsworth is he does look like he does a lot of exercise. Yes. So he probably could run that. And again, you. I mean, you did base this argument on this movie <laughs> commits to being dumb. So this really does fit into. Yeah. Into that and, idea. Uh, it's, it's got the, the best bad guy in the MCU. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, you is, are talking Loki. about Loki and not Malakim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Poor Thank Christopher Eccleston. Poor Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I like any movie that has Christopher Eccleston in it because it means Christopher Eccleston is getting paid. And, you know, I think yeah. we, all, we yeah. all can support that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm always keen to see more Christopher Eccleston, even if it is buried beneath six inches of latex mask <laughs> and and dialogue that almost entirely has to be translated on, in <laughs> subtitles yeah yeah okay well i mean I, I, I can't say i understand but but it's a reasonably yeah. compelling case wait so hang on what was the argument it was commits to being dumb that yep. was the and yeah. i think i think you know when you go to see a superhero movie there are obviously ones you watch when you want to like see a really good movie and there are ones that you watch where you're like, you know what, I just want to watch... It's like reading a dumb comic book, you know, or like a good, dumb comic book. And it's right, there's a, there's a vast world of difference between favourite and best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I have favourite movies that I probably couldn't say in any way were good, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, Howard the Duck is, is, a, is a... Howard the Duck is a bit of a favourite, yeah. <laughs> As apparently you're going to find out at the end of the podcast, according to because Seb did some some sneaky recording. <laughs> um, well, Harry, thank you very much, and thanks for recognising us. It was uh, it was, it it was, was gratifying. Yeah, we've had and we've had some good times this weekend, and yeah. we have a mutual friend. Yes, Simon Renshaw, who Sh- well, that will mean Simon. nothing to listeners, but it no, means because he hasn't been on the podcast yet. He should have been on the podcast at some point. Yeah, you've made we'll it on the podcast for Simon. Yeah, that's what I'll, I'll you tell him that. A lot of people, uh, me included, I've included seven in this, read comics as uh, adults because we because we read them as uh, kids, mm. basically. Mm. Maybe we would have come to them regardless, but I do think that I pick up comics now, especially characters I know, um, superhero, you know, Marvel DC stuff, uh, because of because of that connection really to my childhood. You don't, you won't, you don't have that. No. I'm sort of wondering, what is it that you? What is it that you are getting from from these comics, really? Is it, and you know, it's, I think there are a few things it could be. Is it the is it the actual way a comic is constructed that's different to other you know mediums? Um, is it the you know especially the more superhero stuff? Is it reading new stories of these characters that you know a bit? Is it will it be slightly the the culture of comics that is a new thing to you? Is there a novelty to it all? What is it that's what is it that is that what is it that you like about comics? Would you? So why why have I stuck around with comics yeah, basically? Yeah. Why why do I not just read the recommendations that Seven James yeah. give me and then stop? Because you've got a lot of interest in your life, you know, movies. Mm. You've got a PS4 in, your, in the other room. You've got a lot going on. <laughs> sports. You've, you've brought American sports. Yeah. Yes. You're married now. You've got to, you know there'll be a family in your future, I imagine. But you're reading comics still. You're reading more mm. comics. Why? Um. 
Well, to, to go back to the very start of your question, which was the, um, you know, you guys reading them when you were younger, and that's why you still read them now. So for me, I didn't read comics when I was younger, but superhero movies were a thing throughout all of my teenage years. Like I say, Spider Man came out when I was like twelve years old, and that oh, was don't remind us that was a po- that that was a movie that I then owned on DVD and watched time and time again. <laughs> but then, yeah, and also superhero cartoons. So I don't remember them all vividly, and I don't remember being addicted to them. But I did, you know, I did watch Spider Man and Batman and X Men and. I think I always felt that like superheroes and superheroes particularly was a thing that I wanted to know more about as a kid. Um, And so I I always felt a little bit of a disconnect because I didn't. And personality wise, I'm someone who kind of I need to like it's, it's very difficult. Comics was always a difficult thing for me to get into because I've got a very completist nature i'm like why would i not just go and read the first issue of wolverine and then read every comic that he appears in since then and how, what do you mean there's different writers with different takes on the character yeah. so it's, mm. there was a there was a little bit of a stumbling block there um in terms of getting into them as a terms kid with the idea mm-hmm. that you that it's really difficult to have a holistic approach to comics fandom and well, that you just have to find it's the kind of impossible and i kind of build your own canon i by getting the recommendations from you and james i have relinquished control over that so when you tell me don't read the first volume of Phonogram, just read the second one. I twitch a little bit. I never said don't read the first no, volume, but I just said read the second but one that first, was, but let that me was, be clear But that, that was one. the recommendation, <laughs> but if, like, I probably, if it was me and I'd heard that the first the first volume of Phonogram wasn't as good as the second one, I might never have read any of them. But so if, if, if people say to you with a TV show, oh, the first season's not that good, or the first few episodes aren't that good, do you stick with them anyway? Do you, do you just make allowances, or do you give up if the first few are crap? Do you not, do you not allow yourself no. to get into a show if the first season is crap it's the other way around once I'm in on something I'm in on something Uh, for instance I've never watched 24 because people are like oh season 4 I don't know which seasons by the way people are like season 4 is not the crap one Um, (laughs) there are seasons of 24 which have lesser reputations and even though people are like oh certain seasons are amazing I know if I start 24 I'm going to watch every single episode and I'm not willing to do that (laughs) but yeah so that was but that was a bit of a stumbling block with comics but i think what i to to then to the second half of your question like what i get out of them now and what i'm reading why i'm still reading them um the superhero ones particularly and this comes to a lot of the podcast is literally it's driven by making sense of the comics behind the movies because i want to like i i'm invested in the marvel cinematic universe the dc movies haven't hooked me yet but i like the idea of batman movies and justice league movies and i want to know more about the flash and wonder woman and supergirl and i want to who are their biggest villains and what are their best stories and what potentially is, you know, Planet Hulk going to be showing up in Thor Ragnarok. I know that Meek is a character from Planet Hulk mm-hmm. who's going to be in Thor Ragnarok now because that was something that I, that I read and that and that was that was really fun to me. So with the superhero stuff, I just it's just general like nerdiness. I want to know more about all of, of these big universes that have been put down on the page. And the fact that then you can be picking up these comics that you know, I don't think we'll ever see anything like Vision, but it's just a really, really well-told story within that. And there are there are a lot of comics that are very good. And then also, I guess, enjoying, like, Brian K. Vaughan comics, as I have, probably, you know, you don't have to have read comics as a kid. They are comics that you can enjoy as an adult, mm-hmm. just in within their own right, as good stories. Uh, I'm Chris Hewitt, and I'm associate editor 
at Empire Magazine, and I host the Empire Podcast, and I do as little as possible. <laughs> hope they get away with it. In fact, a I would far imagine, more successful podcast. I would imagine if anyone podcast. listens to our podcast, they probably they already listen yeah. to the Empire podcast. I think there's an overlap. I'd say there's an overlap. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, so we're going to do a little pitch segment. All right. Um, like like we do on the podcast normally. So the pitch that we want you to give us, Chris, is if you could pick any comic book that has not yet been adapted to the screen that you'd like to see a movie of, All right. what would it be and why? And okay. how would it be adapted? And how would it be adapted? To, all right. Uh, comedy answer. Yeah, with sure. Air quotes is Royal Rovers. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be my serious it, answer. It, well, maybe it is my serious answer. Yeah. Who knows? But within that, because within that, you have obviously the potential for lots of spin-offs in the uh, <laughs> the MRCU, the Manchester Rovers Cinematic Universe. <laughs> I'm liking the way this is going. Right. Yeah. So you got Hot Sean Hamish. Yeah. You got Mighty Mouse. Oh, right away you got those yeah. uh, and the fact is Roy, Roy Race's career over the years that the, uh, the comic was going was just batshit insane I mean just mental the guy lost did he lose his leg he lost his foot he lost his when he they, when they ended the original run yeah. he had a helicopter crash and lost his foot so he yeah. became the manager and his son yeah. was the new one oh, okay. uh, was half a bus the team crash. got blown up in a bus yeah. crash by terrorists in the 1980s I mean, half the team got killed off that's it's like not dream good. team <laughs> <laughs> Dream Team not nothing on Royal I'd save that for the sequel. They got kicked every yeah. summer. They would yeah. go and play a, a, a charity match or a you know like a friendly in a foreign yeah. country in the summer, and they'd get kidnapped. <laughs> there was just so much kidnapping, especially like in the early ones. I mean, the insurance in Royal Race alone <laughs> must have been through the roof. But it's extraordinary, and his his goal record alone. There hasn't been a great football movie. I still believe that. I still believe there hasn't been a great. You know, football. I'm a fan of Mike Bassett. I really like Mike Bassett. That's but that's a tangentially is, a, yeah. a, a football movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, There's but, only one Jimmy Grimble. Sorry, I stand correct. Yes, okay. There's only been one great football movie. I'll wait and Saturday comes. There's been two great films. Oh, okay, it's, yeah. it's, all, it's all gone to pot. Do you have casting suggestions for Roy? Uh, okay, so it has to be. It can't be someone in his. He always struck me as someone who was in his 50s. Okay. <laughs> and that's the weird thing. Even in the comic book, because he was always meant to be a, a kind of veteran. Yeah, even as a 20 you know, odd year old, he had the yeah. personality of yeah. like Bobby Charlton or, you know, sort they, of a. Yeah, as much as say the, uh, the the Marvel and DC books take liberties with time frames, mm. I mean Roy the Rovers just felt like <laughs> it seemed to be like a new season every week, and he was yeah. like seventy five or something by the end of it. I mean, if if you tot it up, yeah. his playing career is about forty years long. Yeah, years pretty much. And that's why then when they did the stuff in the nineties, they did mm. the monthly comic. Where, and they had to revise it, so they actually had it that there, were, that there was Roy Race Senior, and then that the Roy Race that everyone loved in the 70s was the second Roy Race, and he'd only started his career in like. So they did with Dennis the Menace like as well. It was like. amazing. Dennis the Menace is a legacy hero, yeah. Dennis yeah. the Menace's dad now is the 80s then. So do you think we go with a former footballer then, rather yeah. than a. So someone whose career is don't maybe. Say, don't say David Beckham. Well, I was thinking actually the the Charlton brothers. We get them in dual roles. And the Charlton brothers. Oh. Joe, are you insane? <laughs> oh, yes. I, would, I would say Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. From That's pretty damn good. Okay. okay. That is very very good indeed. I'm trying to think of someone who's uh, young enough, blonde enough, athletic enough, British enough. I don't think you want to parachute them. This is a British icon. You want to stay away from it, and you want to you know. I don't know, who could really play? Tom Hardy's a very, very good choice. But now you've said blonde, British, athletic, I'm thinking Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, but... Um, no, uh, I suggested him I, in Britain as well. I feel that after Green Street, he should <laughs> yeah, stay away. Yeah, anything that requires an accent or 
acting. It's a bit, <laughs> bit harsh, you know, because he's, he's redeemed himself for Green Street. I don't know if you've seen, there's this YouTube compilation of his best Cockney accent moments <laughs> from, from Green Street. It's just, you need to check it out. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, no, I, I don't, I don't feel so. He is young and No, he's dreadful. I mean, he's no, 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 he is, but I thought, we were on, I thought we were on that route. No, 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 no. Well, I want something good. Joe, this isn't a joke movie. This is, this is serious. It's become it's serious. Comedy. Sorry. It's serious. I'm Jack O'Connell. Jack O'Connell. Yeah. That's Toby Kebbell. I know he's not, he's not... Blonde, but he's versatile. He could dye his hair. He could mocap it. He's becoming a mo. He could. It's got to be someone who could convince physically. But then I just feel you you get you get Roy Race established. You could do Hotshot Hamish with a with a really tempestuous Scott. You can get you know like I say Mighty Mouse. Wasn't there one? There was a goalkeeper called. Rick Stewart. Rick Stewart. Rick, Rick Stewart. Stewart. So you he had was... Gordon Stewart and safe yes. hands in soccer. He died in a plane crash. <laughs> and then his amazing. son Rick was a goalkeeper. Absolutely. See, I thought you see, maybe yours was slightly before my time because there was in the early 90s there was Goldmouth who was a rapping goalkeeper. Oh and my he, he god. Just, he, did, he played for like a third division club and he did rap. Oh my god. Like, Rick Stewart was kind of he was a bit of a goody goody. He was a yeah, sort of clean cut, yeah. bit boring, but yeah. yeah. But you get those guys in the team together. It's just, it's just astonishing. I like and it. Then, We've uh, got a whole cinematic yeah, universe. The Melchester yeah. 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 Absolutely. Kind of like, yeah, Billy's Boots. Get the whole thing oh, coming together. Yeah. Billy's Boots in its own right would be a great movie. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It would be. Uh, it would okay, be. well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this. Yeah. I say we, we green light a, a yeah. 10 year plan. My serious answer, and I know it's been adapted in some form, but as a movie, is Fables. But. I'm on board now. I've convinced myself yeah, that right, right, my comedy answer. answer is actually the, the thing I want to say. Yeah, it was the best one. <laughs> I, I would like to just very quickly ask you a bonus question as well. Yeah. Because obviously with the knowledge and insight that you will have into oh, upcoming Christ. movies, yeah. the single one <laughs> Give us a spoiler. coming up that you're most excited for. Comic for book, any given comic movie. book movie? Yeah. Any, any movie based on a comic book that is in production, that is going to be released, that you are the most <laughs> excited about. <laughs> So don't say Gambit, because our official line on the podcast is that that's never going to happen. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Uh, I'm not going to cop out and do uh, Infinity War. Uh, I'm. Uh, it feels like a cop out because it's it's coming up very very soon. But Guardians too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Guardians. The more I think about it, and I actually have sat down and made a list because I'm a I'm a nerd. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Marvel movies and Guardians is number one for me and okay, it's just it's just fantastic I think it's the best Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi and I'm including the most recent Star Wars movie in that I uh, would also I would definitely I, agree with that I think it's, it's just it's just fantastic it's absolutely fantastic it grows for me more and more I see it uh, I'm fascinated to see what James Gunn's going to do now he has a clear run I'd be intrigued to see how much Nicole Perlman was a part of the success of the first movie um, or was it mainly down to him and just the confidence that they're showing and Marvel are showing they, they showed confidence obviously with the first Guardians with the You're Welcome uh, poster and the trailer was amazing but the fact is I watched the trailer again when I was watching Doctor Strange for the third time and Excellent. the trailer for Guardians came up and it doesn't even have the name of the movie on the trailer oh, wow yeah yeah. that's how confident they are about this this is, this is what I, I said on the when we were discussing it and you, you know you were saying it's a bit well it, it doesn't tell you anything new and it's, well, it doesn't give need, you anything I mean, new I mean it, it's no, the it confidence of a movie that knows it's going to make a billion dollars whatever yeah. happens it's just they know that everyone and you, they know yeah. that they can just evoke that feeling in people yeah. with that music and those characters just to go marvelously just exactly. next year we're getting a, Sp a Spider-Man in high school movie yeah Guardians 2 yeah. yeah and as Taika Waititi 
that's, Thor movie. That's which... my number two. That's my number two because I, I genuinely, if 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 it's a Taika Waititi movie, and mm. he's managed to impose his style on on Marvel and on the framework with that cast, it could be spectacular. And the concern for me, Holt stuff and... well, that's a concern for me with Thor Ragnarok because it sounds like it's going to be like a road trip through oh, the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Because it has Hulk, it has the existing framework of of Cate Blanchett as Hela, mm -hmm. and we have numerous different characters coming in there as well. Plus you have, as we know now from the Doctor Strange post credit sting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have certain revelations yeah, yeah, about... Everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen it, yeah. Everyone's but, seen it. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> so how are they, they going to resolve that yeah, story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating to me, but uh, I, wish, I wish I could sit here and say I'm really, really excited about... The Flash. The, Flash, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. It's now when it's looking for its third director. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's very interesting. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really obvious answer for Guardians too. I think that could be. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray, and I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll presents the Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Could be something special. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for uh, joining us. And, thank you. Uh, yeah, listen to the Empire podcast. And read, and read Chris's words, Aww. but you all do already. So. Yeah, so, to anybody listening this to this, amazing. Not we should do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Carter. Uh, I'm a colorist for comic books. I, uh, I'm an indie comic creator as well. And uh, I'm a part-time uh, admin, sort of lecturer type university monkey type person. And, and what wares are you hawking here at Full Bubble? Right, we have three titles that we're uh, hawking, shilling if you will. Uh, we've got Loose Cannon, which is a sort of a sci-fi comedy in the vein of Red Dwarf, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, like that, but with more immature swearing. For the for the benefit of, because this is an audio podcast, yeah. that's Loose Cannon yeah. spelt. Yeah, Lou as in the name, and then Scannon as in the pun. Yeah, so that's all that. And then we've got uh, Bruce Outback, which is uh, Australia's greatest time-traveling detective, sent back through time to solve unsolved crimes with the help of his basically koala, as you do. And then we've got uh, Druid Investigations, which is a modern-day Merlin fighting monsters with a motor insurance salesman. And how can That's people, it. if people are listening to us, how can yeah. they get your comics? Because obviously they're not here at Thought Bubble, because no. they will have finished by the time. Of course. Yeah. And uh, Thought Bubble doesn't go on that long. No. But uh, yeah, uh, all the books can be bought online from uh, www.atticstudios.website. .website? Yeah. 
We couldn't afford the dot-com. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap that, man. Um, so, Chris, tell us uh, a little bit about your favourite comic book movie. Right, I'd say my favourite one of all time, comic book-wise, would have to be uh, Scott Pilgrim. Um, were, you, were you a fan of the comics before you saw the film? I'd seen, I'd read a little bit of the first the first uh, one, and that's about it. So I went, I went into the film fairly fresh, and I still haven't yet completed the actual books. But, um, well, there's no excuse for that. I know. I know I, I've seen the film now, it's fine. <laughs> Different ending. I know. Well, I, 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 Preacher. I know I finished Preacher, but I haven't made a film of Preacher. Have they? Well, I've made a TV show. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. A bit. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, the Scott Pilgrim is definitely. Um, I, I just love the design of it, the pacing of it, the, the writing, the editing. It's just, it's one of those films where if I'm watching TV and it comes on, I will inevitably end up just watching the whole thing. Yeah. And um, I don't think me and my wife have any kind of original dialogue. It's, it's, just, it's just quotes from Scott Pilgrim. I actually uh, watched it three times in a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this is Dan, would, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, would, would Edgar Wright or somebody else be your dream director for a loose Scannon movie? Oh, man. That, I, I would be down with Edgar Wright doing a Scannon film. I would be down with that. I don't know who I'd have director, but I, see, in my head, I always picture Eric Balfour as, as loose Scannon. Oh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> that would be good. We, we, we'd have to have Ron Perlman as well, wouldn't we? Ron Perlman yeah. as well, yeah. But yeah, no, um, I think... Uh, what's his face? The guy, is it... Um, uh, is it James Gunn did Guardians? Yeah. James Gunn, yeah. yeah. I think he'd, he'd be a good one. He'd be good, yeah. but then he'd be like... He'd be like Guardians. Yeah. Guardians yeah. <laughs> Let's get Brian De Palma, why not? Let's <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese, yeah. No. Martin Scorsese's loose scanner. Yeah. Hell, I'd watch it. <laughs> um, I don't know if we ever got into this back when the podcast first started, but what got you interested in superhero movies then? So as a genre, what did you like about superhero movies that got you into them and then made you want to go and find out about the Spider-Man? <laughs> it, it was Spider-Man. It was watching Spider-Man uh, for the first time and um, loving that. For just from the first time I saw that poster. And like because they were characters that I knew about, you don't grow up not knowing who Spider-Man and Batman and the X-Men are because they were on TV in animated form. And like... I had watched as a kid the Superman movies, or at least some of them, and the Batman movies throughout the 90s. I had some cultural awareness of all of that. Um, and then so when I watched Spider-Man, and that's great. And like I said, when, when, I talk, when I've talked in the past about watching episodes of the X-Men cartoon where, you know, what happened to Wolverine? Where did he get his powers? Like, I always wanted to know mm. that. It was something that was intriguing to me, and I didn't know where to go to do it. But what? So what? But what about the genre? Kind of appeals to you, like you know, if if someone said to you, "Why do you like superheroes?" So not not in not even in the chronological sense of because I loved Spider Man first. Mm. Uh, in the same way as my answer would be because I loved Superman first. But then, you know, a different question is, what do you actually love about the genre, or what do you like about the genre? I don't know if love is too strong a word. No, uh, because you know, I what, think what interests you. I think I do, and I think you can probably tell through the podcast that I. Um, very much like some superhero movies some of them i think are really terrible but they are something that i will always like i there isn't a superhero movie coming out that i'd be like i'm not i don't really want to watch that apart from power rangers which we're nah. never we're never doing on this podcast <laughs> well I, I i quibble about the definition of power exactly rangers okay heroes anyway it's a it's a they sort of are but they're also a complete from a completely different genre and tradition so, but i think particularly yeah. now and over the past few years when when we've been doing this podcast it's with the, with the movies particularly which is which is what started this it is the just 
overwhelming accessibility of them. They're, they're huge, big movies that are for everyone, or at least at their best are for everyone. You know, I could go and, um, I don't know, speak to my, like, six-year-old second cousin about what he thought of the last Spider-Man movie, for example, because he probably will have seen it. And I could go and speak to, you know, you guys and have an in-depth chat about how Batman was depicted in... Uh, or how they're handling the character of Batman in Gotham, for example. Or, um, you know, like my parents went to see Doctor Strange. These, these, these are movies that, that, that are big and culturally important mm. and they're everywhere and I mean I've, I've talked before about you know the stuff that my parents like and like my, you know, my mum has never read a superhero comic knowingly in her life but she enjoys most of the movies and most of the TV shows and she, she actively loves some of them she mm. loves the Captain America movies you know I've said before they watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Gotham they even watch the crap ones mm. um, she likes that genre in live action um, even though she would not touch it with a barge pole, um, mm. you know, and, and prior to, um, I mean, I think it's the Christopher Nolan Batman movies that kickstarted her interest in it. Um, prior to those, I don't think she would have even been that bothered about the movies. It's just not a genre that she was interested in. But suddenly, um, I mean, I think kind of, uh, I think there's more, I think superheroes can have a wider, and I think it's something we discuss on this podcast, can have a wider ranging appeal than people might think. Because they can be such different things. Yes. I mean, people people have such a narrow definition of what they think a superhero story is. And I think something that you see through the movies, and that I think hopefully you've learned through the comics as well, is that superhero comics can be drastically different even, from each even other. Even with in terms the same characters. Approach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, different writers can, and artists can take on exactly the same character, um, even in almost exactly the same status quo, and do something that is a completely different thematically mm. in terms of the story in terms of the approach everything it's, and that's yeah. it I, I think it's more that like I've always been interested in more genre stuff like I've always loved sci-fi like when I was discovering you know movies that I loved it was stuff like Blade Runner in 2001 were the movies that really got me excited and I read a lot of Stephen King and I was addicted to Lost and Battlestar Galactica when I was a teenager as well and, and those kind of shows so that's that's always the kind of the kind of stuff that kind of you know pushes my nerd buttons anyway, mm. and so I, I and I, I don't I, I don't think I've ever really felt like a massive affection for a particular hero. Like I don't feel uh, protective over how a certain hero is uh, depicted. Like even Spider Man. Like I I'm not reading the current run of Spider Man in the comics. I, I tried it out. I like Spider Man. I love that movie. Um, I don't like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm so angry that you got these characters, this character wrong. It's I'm no, I'm annoyed that you made a bad movie. Like that's mm. that's that's the issue I have. So and I I'm, I'm I don't feel like I've I've really enjoyed some Superman, but I don't feel I have like the same emotional attachment to the character of Superman that um, a lot of people do. Like even after reading All Star Superman, which I thought was superb, it wasn't like I felt. It made me feel a special way about Superman. I just really liked the telling of that comic. So, and I think that is, I'm, I said this on the podcast so many times, um, like I'm, like story is what attracts me. And um, I think that's, that's, that probably is another reason why exploring the comics behind the movies is fun is because the movies can sometimes have a plot from the comics, which you can then go and explore all the beats. So when we see Planet Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, it's probably going to be like a scene. Mm. Whereas you know you can read this mm. big grand saga in the comics. Um, 
And so it's, it's fun as something just to, to dig into on top of the movies. My name's Kieran Gillen. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm hanging outside. I'm about to go and DJ because that's the other thing I do. When I say DJ, I mean play records in sequence. So I've just discovered <laughs> there's a magic button that allows you to mix, uh, which is quite exciting. Excellent. And you've actually been, you've been talking music at the concert. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm most of my, about like 25% of my comics are about music, but people tend to think it's a much higher percentage. <laughs> Except we found out that you, you, you have something else that you are interested in. Well, you say like found in... out, he talks about it on like yeah. Instagram yeah. and it's, stuff it's, all it, the time. It, it's not exactly Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, actually, that's the murder scene I always, that's the scene I want to write with Sherlock Holmes. It's like Sherlock and Watson burst into a room. In it, there's a murderer. Uh, there's a guy who just stabs someone to death. Blood everywhere. And Sherlock's like, I think we found the murderer. And then Hopkins goes, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, and that's, anyway. Yeah. You pitched as a movie before we've even asked you to pitch as a movie. I have yeah. unique takes on everything. Okay. <laughs> Well, so we want we want basically your pitch for a Warhammer movie. Okay, uh, this is a concept of Warhammer called Rogue Traders. Warhammer K is basically space fascist empire uh, and the other. Road traders are basically people that go around the galaxy trading and um, exploring and that kind of stuff. Nancy Winter Scurry, opening scene, landing a planet, they meet these lovely aliens, and then this very stern warrior lady comes and says, oh, "Hello, pleasure to meet you." And I. Then the evening, it's a diplomatic meeting, they've just made first contact, everything's nice. There's a perfectly peaceful civilization, it's utopian, you know, you imagine the, gla the glass citadels going to the sky and the little angel things are flying around, you go right by. They go up to orbit, and he goes, what? You know, nuke it, nuke it all from space. <laughs> Exterminators now. Uh, and it's the uh, road trader's mission to find new, strange, new civilizations and exterminate them. <laughs> uh, and basically, imagine Star Trek if they're all clones. And basically the entire basically travel the universe as being genocidal fuckwits. I like literally inverted Star Trek. Uh, and I would watch that. Yeah. Have you ever pitched this as a comic? I'm like, honestly, if I ever did a Warhammer comic, that's the opening scene. <laughs> sounds amazing. Well, and then it sounds like an every scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Every, every, it's like 40k is a one of the thing is it's very dark satire. There's definitely an age of teenagers that doesn't quite get that. It's meant it is very stupid. Uh, but it's also very serious. It's the, that's the point the you do it with a straight face. But it's like the major difference from 40k was actually the Nemesis of Warlock. If you look at it, Nemesis of Warlock really is just 40k. So that kind of like the hyperbolic parody of like capitalism yeah. is the Empire. Um, so you can imagine that Nemesis tone. That's kind of what 40k is. Yeah. Well, and it sounds highly entertaining. That would that would work as a film or a TV series. I feel like you could do. You could how how would you want to see it as a film? Who who would you have to? Oh, I'm really bad at casting. Um, <laughs> or, or well, to make it, who who could make it? I'll tell you what. Well, you're right. Uh, okay, uh, the lead, <laughs> you're qualified to write. Yeah. The lead is Eva Brown. The le my lead lady is always Eva Brown. <laughs> Not Eva Brown. That's fucking Hitler's wife. Yeah, I'll Eva say Green. Okay, right. That makes more sense. Yeah. I have real, I'm not really good at names. I keep, every time I say Eva Green, I half the time I say Eva Brown, and that's. I thought you different. were going real. You were going real. Real direct into the genocide then. No, no, that's pretty bad. Uh, anyway, Eva, <laughs> Eva, Eva Green, Green it'd be, it'd be directed by. Have you seen that interview by uh, Snyder? You know when Scott Snyder's showing around it after. Was it Batman vs Superman? He's saying, yeah, I like skulls. Oh yeah, he's got an axe. I kind of like axes. And the point is like, have I ever met him? Go, Dude, have you? Do you know about Warhammer? Because if he doesn't know about Warhammer, I can imagine just, just lean like, into all of your darkness. I hear it like, where have you been all my life, beautiful? And it's like every single bad instinct, which I don't, I don't like his movies. Every single bad instinct he has makes him perfect for Warhammer. <laughs> over the, you know, over the top, macho, you know, macho bullshit. To the extreme, schools everywhere, and it's like he would go. I need even more schools than I would normally have. That's the best <laughs> Zack Snyder's bit, uh, pitch I've ever heard. I, think like Zach, I never quite hear a pitch which Zack Snyder is the director, all like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> Stylistically opulent, ludicrously violent, skulls everywhere. 
I'd watch it. I mean, it's a Warner movie, I'd watch it. And with Eva Green, not yes. Eva Rock. So, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Steve Lacey. I'm the host or co-host of the Fantastic Cast, a Fantastic Four podcast. And yeah, uh, what is the Fantastic Cast? Fantastic Cast. The Fantastic Cast is a podcast guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics. We we basically read through Fantastic Four issue by issue, as well as all the spin-off books and guest appearances. Um, yeah, and we, in the five years we've been doing it, we, we've made it from the 60s to midway through the 1970s with some wonderful comics and some not-so-wonderful comics. <laughs> you see, this is always the way that I was told that it was borderline impossible to read comics and you just have to accept that you can't read it all, but you've taken the opposite approach. You've just gone, we're going to do it. We're going to do every single one. Every single one. <laughs> and we, we have an end point, unlike all the other Marvel comics, yes. we have a definite <laughs> yeah. end point. <laughs> I, I feel like you might not by the time you catch up somehow (laughs) Um, and would our listeners have known anyone that has appeared on your podcast for example and, oh, something to think. <laughs> well, Seb shoots daggers at Peter's eyes. Um, Seb and James have both appeared on the show. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that I don't really like the Fantastic Four was not a handicap to my appearing on the show. Abs- Although I imagine it may have been a handicap to the enjoyment of your regular listeners, who I imagine are all Fantastic Four fanatics. <laughs> I will be like, who's this arsehole coming on telling us that he's never really liked the Fantastic Four? Uh, yeah, so Seb joined us for the uh, two-parter introducing the, the character of Adam Warlock, or as it was actually known, him. him. And uh, in two issues, he only actually managed to appear for about three panels. James joined us for an issue of Marvel 2-in-1. Um, I'm struggling to remember which one it was. Um, and uh, one of your previous guest hosts, Al Kennedy, joined us has joined us for a couple of issues as well um, over the past few years. So some familiar voices there. And I'm going to have a brief cameo on your Thought Bubble because we've been, yes. we've been mutually podding this weekend. We have indeed. Um, so uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with uh, with Joe's little contribution, and indeed everyone else's contribution. But it will be released at some point, and who knows what the future may hold for Joe and the Fantastic. Oh yeah, I would be delighted, <laughs> delighted. But you're going to get a little bit of Fantastic Four into my life right now because we've reached the point of this kind of thrown together thought bubble special where I ask for a comic book recommendation um, based on, I guess the comic that you're here talking about on your stand which is the Fantastic Four so you're going to recommend me some Fantastic Four comics to read so I know you've read some very old Fantastic Four in Jack, uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee stuff I know you've read some more recent stuff from the uh, Jonathan Hickman yes um, I'm going for a, a little bit older than Jonathan Hickman I'm going for some stuff from um, the early 2000s and that's um, a run by one of the greatest comics writers there is Mark Wade, with art by uh, a fantastic artist called Mike Waringo. Uh, the two of them came onto the book and launched it with a, um, I can't remember how much it was, but I think it might have been 10 cents, but basically a, a deliberately cheap comic to get loads of people to pick it up. It's the highest selling Fantastic Four comic there is. I, I own a copy of that. I don't think I read Beyond It, but I did read that reduced price one. And they went to write the Love book Mike for, Waringo. I think, about three years or so. Um, and they... I think they really got what the Fantastic Four is about. They were able to pull in all the different threads. Um, so you've got it being very much a family book. You've got it being about going out and exploring things and discovering things. It's a book where Reed is a scientist as well as being a family man. Um, and there's plenty of uh, villains, classic Fantastic Four villains showing up. But what really makes this book work is just that sense of the team as a family and the best stories really play off that. Um, there's an extended sequence where Doctor Doom is gunning for the Fantastic Four through the children, uh, specifically their daughter Valeria, um, who 
previous books had established Doom was involved in the birth of, he, he was effectively the midwife, shall we say. That's, right. a, that's a very reductionist way of looking at it. But that's a future explainer comic book concept, it sounds like. <laughs> but there's some really great stuff. Um, Doctor Doom is, is properly defeated and deposed. And then the question is, what do you do with Latveria? And there's a storyline called Authoritative Action, which uh, is the Fantastic Four occupy Latveria, effectively. It's a, a little bit of an analogy to the situation in Iraq at the time, but it really looks at the idea of how does the Marvel Universe work? International politics, you know, they don't exactly get away with marching to Latveria and taking it over, uh, but there's some really personal stakes in it as well, um, and some very emotional stuff. And yeah, I think it's probably the most quintessential modern Fantastic Four there is. It's luckily collected only four volumes, uh, which are fairly cheap to buy at the moment as well. Uh, so years old. I guess it's a good idea to start with that really cheap issue and see how far I get. Yeah, I, I think you'll get some really good superhero comics out of it and a real sense of who the Fantastic Four are in a way that, say, the movies don't quite get across. Well, we did have one series of movies where there is the same Sue Storm accidentally getting naked in public scene in both films. Indeed. Uh, it's almost as if Tim Story had an obsession. <laughs> Right, well, thank you very much, Steve. I'm, I'm gonna, they sound excellent. I'll look forward to reading those. And, and where, where should people go if they want to listen to the Fantastic Cast? Uh, if you want, to, if you want to dive into the Fantastic Cast and see what we're about, head to thefantasticast.com, uh, where you can find many, many episodes. Don't feel obligated to listen to all 200 or whatever there are, but uh, dive in. Um, I'm trying to remember, I believe Seth was on... I'm going to get the episode numbers wrong, so I'm not going to say It was 70-something. Yeah, 70-something. 76, maybe. James was on in mid-2015. Um, yeah, just pick some episodes and go for it. We've done commentaries on three out of four movies as well, including the Roger Corman one. So if you, uh -huh. you want to be towards the more cinematic side, you can find that. We'll have to get that to that on the podcast as well at some point, <laughs> so that'll be fun. It will. Might yeah. be probably more fun than Fan Fawstick. <laughs> I'm Abigail Brady, I write comics such as uh, Trans Realities, which is launching here today at uh, Global, uh, probably yesterday. Uh, uh, trans superhero comic doing a story that you could only do with trans superhero. And that is available, will that be available post Thought Bubble? Can you buy it online? Uh, you you're not, me, like, uh, we haven't figured that out yet. You'll right. be able to buy it online on Comixology Submit, like, soonish, we hope, depending upon how long they take to let us go away from the limbo. Yeah. Uh, and we will be having a, like, physical release in uh, all good London local comic shops uh, soon as well, hopefully. Good plugging. Um, so, we would like to invite you to pitch to our rigorous pitching process, uh, although Joe is not here to approve this because he's still in bed, but I have power to potentially greenlight something in his absence as, as Vice President of the Cinematic Universe Pitching Department. Um, so, would you like to pitch us what you think should be the next Marvel Netflix series? I think it should be She-Hulk. So, She-Hulk is currently, uh, I think she's the largest, the most important Marvel character that they haven't really got any plans for uh, and no obvious place to exist in. Like, there's no Hulk movies that she can be a supporting character in. Uh, so, Netflix TV series seems ideal. She's a lawyer. Yep. You've got procedural element there, but you can actually... And it's already gone so well so far doing stories about lawyers in the Netflix. Yeah, well, you... you there's a much stronger tradition of uh, She-Hulk doing actual procedural lawyer yeah. stories than there ever was with Daredevil, for yeah. example. 
So you could actually and the added bonus of no Karen Page or Boggy. Exactly, you get to basically create her supporting cast uh, by picking who you like from uh, from her comics and from existing Netflix casts. The other thing that She uh, Hulk has that uh, would fit in well with the Netflix series is a tenuous connection to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you would you play up the connection to Hulk or play it down? I. I just have it in the background, like... So you, you keep that as the part of her origin, yeah, yeah, yeah. have her be disconnected. Yeah, but you don't need to necessarily, like, make it a big deal. You don't even need to really have her be his cousin. There's no, like, particularly strong reason, character reason for that. Yeah. She could just be a random person who gets a blood transfusion from Bruce Banner before it is determined that he shouldn't really be donating blood. What was that about, anyway? Yeah. Um, and so, do you have thoughts on who should make it or who should be in it? You've got to have a casting suggestion, surely. So, I've got no particular thoughts as to who should make it. Whoever, I mean, me, obviously. Yeah. That clearly, I've got the pitch. I should make it. That's how these things work, right? But if I, you made me the showrunner of uh, G-Hulk, we wouldn't call it G-Hulk, by the way. We just call it Jennifer Walters. Okay. Like, like Jessica Jones. Yeah, exactly. Like, we we cast Gwendolyn Christie, uh, who's the uh, Brienne of Tarth in Game of Thrones, okay. as uh, Jen. Okay, I could I could I see think, that. Yeah, but I mean, because the problem that you've got though with She-Hulk is that when she's Jen, she doesn't look like She-Hulk. So you've got to have someone who can who can transform. I think you could do a lot of yeah. just Gwen though. Okay. She glams up quite well. Like, maybe the size changing thing wouldn't be such a big deal. Yeah. But like, you, I don't necessarily think you'd want a split actor for that role anyway. Yeah. Like, because no, she's just, basically yeah. still the same person. Yeah. Like, it's not like she transforms into a monster. Like, she just becomes more herself. Um, well, yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm very much in favour of the idea of a She-Hulk movie series, because She-Hulk is awesome. Um, I'm not only am I going to commission this, I'm going to commission it to replace Iron Fist immediately in the schedule. Thank you, that's brilliant. That's... Get working on the script. Okay, I'll see what I can do. I'm Ryan North, the writer of The Immutable Squirrel Girl. And I'm Erica Henderson, artist on The Immutable Squirrel Girl. And so, um, I've been very cheeky and I've come to your stand and asked you whether you could uh, recommend me a comic book based on me really loving Squirrel Girl. So, what, what would you recommend I go to next? I would recommend Giant Days by John Allison. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's it's about friendship and young ladies and crazy antics. It's that's, really good. That's fantastic because I did actually yesterday pick up the first three issues of Giant oh, really? You're going to so love it. Perfect. You're going to love yeah. it. You can also read his like 18 years of webcomics that lead up to Giant This. Oh, yeah. <laughs> around, Bobbins. They're all terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, would, you, would you say the same? Or do you yeah, that was mine. Oh, it was yours. <laughs> <laughs> so just a whole, a whole lot of John Allison. Yeah, Giant John Allison's the greatest. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> thank thank you. you. What do you think? Uh, so I want to get back to the sort of last couple of years to new to comics Joe what do you think or has there been anything that has sort of surprised you about comics about the about the form the culture the stuff that you've you've dived right on into in the last couple of years um, that you might not have expected two years ago before you started really I don't know about not expected I mean I've it's certainly it's certainly been eye-opening like hearing the frustrations of like comics fans like Seven James saying like oh, these are things that you've just got to accept because comics. <laughs> and then you start reading comics and you're like, 
oh, this this like dangling plot thread mm. has been left there, and this might be like an old comic that I've been reading and go. Then so when does that get resolved? Oh no, it doesn't. <laughs> or what? There's, what a, there's happened... a plot beat from two thousand and six Batman comics <laughs> that are the cliffhanger. Um, that just before a re- it was before the uh, Infinite Crisis and the one year later relaunch, one of the Batman titles ended on a gigantic cliffhanger involving the Joker, Jason Todd, and a bomb, um, and and Batman, and literally that thread never got picked up, and now the universe has been rebooted three times since that happened, and it's yeah. just it's just never going to be resolved. It's just one of those things. But it's different hearing about it and then experiencing it, and like so, oh, there's a big crossover event. What's what's going to happen to the character that I really like during this crossover event whose comics really don't have anything to... No, their story is just going to stall for two issues mm-hmm. while they deal with the stuff that I'm not interested in elsewhere. Um, so that those frustrations have been there. Um, I guess I, I, the thing that surprised me most was how much I enjoyed going to the comic shop. Because mm-hmm. that was, that's part of it. I buy physical comics because I like going to... I like going to the comic shop mm. once a week um, if I can, um, and just like having a little browse, looking at looking at just the covers of the comics that I'm not going to read, and going, ah, huh, what's that? Or, um, yeah. and it's also fun because I get a lot of recommendations from Seven James that I can pick up from there as well, and then I'm digging around kind of the the back stuff. Um, it's a very, it's kind of this is going to be this is a wanky phrase, but it's quite a, I'm going to say it, it's quite a kind of a vertically integrated. <laughs> hobby interest in a way you know because you have from the from the experience at the comic shop through to the through to the obviously the comics themselves hmm. and the, the characters that you know and love and with got a history with the characters plus you kind of got that especially with, with you particularly you've got an, an interaction with the the news stuff the online culture it's just there's it's not just that it's not just that 22 page single issue there's a lot else going on on around yeah. having an interest in comics. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean well, so, we something like this, this weekend mm. we're here at yes, Thought Bubble yeah. and uh, you know it's 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 really fun, you know, meeting and seeing these people who have been writing these comics. I mean, I in fact one of the comics that I've been reading in the past year that I've enjoyed the most is Squirrel Girl, which is just utterly fantastic and I've like will read an issue and then go like talk Laura's ear off about oh and mm. like <laughs> and they taught me binary code to count on my fingers <laughs> using binary code it's fantastic and then Ryan North and Erica Henderson were there yesterday mm. and I got to buy the graphic novel and have that signed by them and that was lovely yeah. and but and then like uh, meeting people like as, as you'll probably have heard on the podcast um, meeting people like um, Al Kennedy who is someone who I've been now listening to his podcast for the last year and a half, two years, because we started doing this podcast and because he came on. And that's another person talking about comics, which is really fun. So if you ever, if you usually, if you hear me say something to Seb and James, like, oh, and is that such and such? And they'll go, oh yeah, Joe's learning. Like <laughs> if, if, that, if I haven't, um, if I haven't heard that from Seven James in the first place, I've probably heard it from, House to Astonish yeah. or one of the other comic book podcasts like I listen to um, JML's Explain the X-Men um, on and off as well and so I get little bits of X-Men-y stuff when I, when I dip into that as well so yeah it's, you just it's... let this whole weird culture just envelop you haven't you yes well, and, follow, and following creators on Twitter yeah, and stuff and, and like and yeah and meeting people like um, Harry at the podcast this weekend who like just listen to our podcast and he's another comics fan and we can just 
sit and talk about mm-hmm. comedy things. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's fun. It's it's not it's, and it's one of the things that being in something like football shows you is that it's it is this kind of this shared subculture mm-hmm. and you know comics as an industry and as a culture has a lot of problems and you'll you know you'll see and you'll you, if you're a listener to this who knows about comics you'll know about some of the stuff that goes on. Um, you'll or if you if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see us referring to things and talking about it. And it's you know there are problems with people within the industry. There are problems with practices within the industry. Um, there are a lot of people who are self-identified comics fans who are the kind of person that I would not want to have myself associated with in any way, shape, <laughs> shape or form. And I'm not just talking about Reese. Um, you know, I'm, you know, there, there is an unpleasant side to some of comics fandom where there are just horrible, horrible people who, you know, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of the fact that they can, are a part of this same subculture. But it's nice to come to somewhere like Thought Bubble and, you know, okay, we, we've bumped into people who we know and there's, you know, I know that in any given place at an event like Thought Bubble, there'll be somebody in the room who I vaguely know off the internet. Equally, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who I don't know who they are. Some of them are dressed up in costumes. Some of them are. Some of them have probably never read the same comics that I have read in my entire life. Some of them probably like some of the same things I do. Some of them probably like exactly the same things that I do. But either way, we're all part of, just by virtue of the fact that we happen to... Re- consume a particular medium in a particular mm-hmm. form, it automatically makes you a part of this shared subculture mm-hmm. that I think is unlike any other subculture because most of the subcultures are not based around the medium, mm-hmm. they're based yeah. around the genre. And to an extent, comics are because the majority of people who consider themselves comics fans would also, they're fans of the superhero genre, but that's not true of everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see a mingling of superhero comics culture and comics culture in general I because it's just you know to to almost uh, bring this full circle what's really interesting about that and given that we are at bottle bubble um i i have found and i still do think that the comics that the culture and comics it is a bit of a bubble you've kind of got to get inside it like you you see this comics convention existing this weekend and it feels like everyone here is completely in but anyone that's slightly on the fringe is completely like what is going on over there mm-hmm. um and that that kind of was for me this the podcast was always a kind of like a little bit of a gateway into that but also i think and a lot of our listeners um i mean hopefully some of our listeners have done the same thing that i have which is to kind of listen to these two guys who know a huge amount about comic books and walk me and then the listeners as well through getting into comics through liking the movies um but there might equally be a lot of people who listen to the podcast still just like the movies and aren't part of this this culture at all. Like the stuff that you're talking about about the like the controversies and the stuff that I now hear about on Twitter because I follow enough mm. comicsy people. Before that's the, it completely oblivious it, it to that. Very yeah. very rarely breaks through into the mm. mainstream media and the mm. mainstream conversation. And um, mm. un- unless you're a comics person, you just don't hear about it. And I think as well that's that's a completely fine approach to take. If you love the movies and you and you just like I, I don't want to like the I I I've not really got any interest in reading comics, that's fine as well. But I would say I found it hugely rewarding just because there's a there's a world of storytelling and artistry out there that um you you can be just completely unaware of. Um, but yeah, I just I I I think I think it's interesting that it is a bubble. And that it is something that I think you're either in or you're out of, but also and a bubble. Pulled you into it, but it's also <laughs> a bubble that once once you have that gateway in, it is incredibly easy to just you know swim in it. 
it and, and, and enjoy everything that's in there and spend a lot of money yeah, comics are too expensive they are yes uh, please yeah. just make them less expensive please it's fine. I don't. Mind, I don't mind them being expensive at Thought Bubble when you're buying self-published things off yeah, people exactly. who are making a living. But Marvel and DC and Image Comics <laughs> are too expensive, especially post Brexit. Yeah. Well, that's the next podcast. We're doing a Brexit <laughs> special next. Yeah. Week. So this is the last one. We're going political <laughs> from now on. Who knows? By the time this podcast's out, Donald Trump might be president, and we're all living in the post-apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> anyway. But at least we're prepared for it because we've read lots of comics about it. <laughs> Okay, are we, are we are we transferring back hosting duties to me? Do I do I become the host again? We'll pass you yeah. the host conch. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if if any listeners have any questions, kind of following up on this chat, that you know, uh, maybe more questions for me about about the comics, or questions for Seb and James and Reese uh, about how to get into comics, how to enjoy comics more, um, you know. Send us those on Twitter, email, all the usual ways that I normally say at the end of the podcast. But I'm not going to because it's our 100th episode spectacular. And I don't think that uh, you want to hear that right now. So um, I I guess we should probably end this with just a a big thank you for everyone that has listened to this and has listened to us over the course of our 100 episodes. Some, Some of just me insanely ranting into a microphone on my own. But a lot of us sat sat around our various tables hooking up over Skype and talking about uh, a, whole, a whole heap of very good and very bad movies. Mm. And movies like Gambit that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. I'll do a cool. better bye than that, please. Goodbye. I listen to that regularly still. To the point that Laura had to firmly veto it from the wedding playlist. (laughs) Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.